0: All right, Love Chapel Hill, so good to see you. Can you, all right, can you hear all right? Okay, it is so good to see you in person, real life. I love it. I've been preaching to a camera for over a year. So if I get nervous and rusty today, I'm going to look at Rudy right there. It was our camera guy and so much more than that, but you know. I've been used to just preaching to Rudy for a year. So this is so good. I love it. Uh, You've heard us use the term regathering over and over again. You're going to keep hearing that. You're going to get tired of that word. Uh, But language is important. And intentionality with language is important. And one of the reasons that we use the term regathering instead of reopening, which is a lot of the language that you hear around businesses and that the government is using and things like that, we don't use reopening because the church was never closed. All right? The church was never closed. We are regathering in one place today, but the movement of Jesus, the mission of Jesus in this world cannot be stopped by Anything That's part of what we're celebrating today. Our regathering is so fitting that it's happening on Pentecost Sunday where churches around the world and throughout history have celebrated the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the first believers. As they were gathered there in Jerusalem, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on them, and it's not just the spirit resting on individuals, which is a language we get a lot in the Old Testament throughout the Hebrew Bible, but instead this miraculous moment where the very presence, the very person of God, the Holy Spirit, fills every single believer in Christ who is there that day. The very presence of God himself filling up the people of God, the followers of Jesus, And from that moment, they are unleashed and sent out into the world to be the church. And the understanding of the people at that time, especially those coming to Jerusalem, they're making this pilgrimage to be in Jerusalem because it was understood that there in the temple is where the presence of God rests and lives there in the temple in Jerusalem. But now, in this miraculous moment, they became the living, moving temples of God, and we are the extension of that. The Holy Spirit living in us, enabling us to be the temples of God unleashed in the world. As Justin said in, in the video that went out this week so beautifully, you are the church wherever you are. And that reality is made possible by the day of Pentecost that we are celebrating today. I just want to encourage you and thank you for being the living proof of Pentecost over the last year. And the way that you navigated this whole thing together, the way that you responded, uh, the heart, the soul, the attitudes, the outlook that you brought to this, the creativity that you brought to this we are so deeply grateful for who you are and for the way that you lived this out over this year you are the proof of pentecost and we're celebrating that today as we're able to be back together in this beautiful space so we're going to spend our time today in acts chapter 2 chris just read that for us Uh, And that's where we're going to be. So if you've got Bibles, you can turn to that or look it up on your phone. Acts chapter 2, celebrating the day of Pentecost. Holy Spirit, we open ourselves up to you. We want to be led by you. Thank you for filling us. And today we're asking for a fresh filling of your spirit in us. Thank you for empowering us. For your mission in the world. Thank you for empowering us. With diverse giftings. And we ask that you would. Continue to empower us. To walk in the fullness of the gifts. That you have given to each of us. In so many diverse ways. We want to live in that. We want to walk in that. Thank you for enabling us. To walk and step with you. As Paul said. And to bear the fruit. Of the Spirit, as you cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in us for a hungry world to taste around us. Thank you that you have anointed us, like Jesus said in his very first sermon in Luke chapter 4, as he's quoting from Isaiah 61, that you have anointed us to preach good news to the poor, challenge us in the ways that our lives are not good news to the poor. And help us to become that. You've anointed us to to proclaim freedom for the captives. And release for the oppressed. And to be the righteousness and justice together of God in this world. We ask that you would continue to empower us and enable us to be that. And to live into that. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. How are we doing on, on volume? Good. Okay, all right, good. We got the stockings in the top row. They gave us the thumbs up. I want to give a heads up to Bob Sr., who's here today. Appreciate Bob, he's the man. When I talked to Bob earlier today, I, I said, You might not be able to recognize me with the mask on. And he said, It looks better. I appreciate that, Bob Sr., thank you. And Bob Jr. wanted me to, to clarify that it was Bob Sr. that said that. All right. Awesome. So, y'all, today we're going to stay in Acts 2, uh, and that's going to be our rooting point. But like we so often do, we're going to see it in that larger context of the full, the, the full arc of the story of Scripture. And uh, sometimes as Christians, we think about the day of Pentecost, Yes, it is a beginning point. It is a new beginning. The church is born and launched on the day of Pentecost, but the Holy Spirit is not born. The Holy Spirit does not begin. Pentecost is not a starting point for the Holy Spirit. So we've got to see that larger picture, and we're going to watch how that whole story arc is playing into this moment so that we get the fullness of the picture of what is actually happening What is actually happening in Acts chapter 2. And so where we're going to start today is actually uh, in Genesis 1, the very beginning of the whole thing. All right, so if you've got Bibles, you want to turn to Genesis chapter 1. The first two verses shed light on what is happening here in Acts chapter 2. This moment when the Holy Spirit is poured out and the, the church is born. And we realize that the people who are gathered in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2 are there because of their Jewish faith. And they've come to Jerusalem for this pilgrimage festival. They're coming from all of these different places, bringing backgrounds and languages and differences to that place. But one of the things that they share in common is that Jewish faith. And because of that, they are immersed in the story of Genesis chapters 1 and 2. The origin story, their way of completely understanding the world in which they are living. So oftentimes their story keeps coming back to Genesis 1 and to Genesis 2 to understand the world in which they're living. And the same is true for us. And listen to what we get Right here at the opening of the story, the very first two verses of all of sacred scripture, we get these words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters, okay? We, we get the story beginning with this sense of chaos. It talks about it being formless and empty. And there's this sense of chaos and the spirit hovering over the waters. But what happens next? Immediately out of that, we get God speaking. And out of chaos, he is reordering chaos and bringing it into Creation. And we see the Holy Spirit doing the same thing again in Acts chapter 2. It's an echo of this original story. And we see that he's up to it again. He's at it again. The first thing for us to realize today from this passage is that the Holy Spirit creates. And out of chaos, he brings creation. It happens in Genesis 1 and it's happening again in Acts chapter 2. What what is going on around the story of Acts chapter 2 right before the Holy Spirit gets poured out on those believers and launches the church into the world? The disciples who are gathered together are still in this state of confusion. They're still in this state of not completely understanding what story they are in at the moment. They have witnessed Jesus being crucified, which was a shattering moment for them. This person that they followed, that they gave their lives to, they walked with him for three years. They studied under him. They were formed to him over three years. And then they watch as all of that is shattered in the crucifixion of Jesus then that story starts to come back together in pieces as they witness the miraculous resurrection of Jesus. And now they're trying to make sense of what this means. They believe in the crucifixion and they realize what it means for them how it brings forgiveness to them through the sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross. They believe in the resurrection and what that means, that it's bringing this victory of God into the world, victory over sin, victory over death. And it's more than they could have possibly imagined. But still, there's this sense of confusion of what are we supposed to do with this? Now what? What do we do now? Now? And they're left with this sense of confusion over where this story is going, disoriented in their own story. And then the Holy Spirit is poured out on them. And in that sense of chaos that they've experienced, the Holy Spirit creates. The Holy Spirit creates and reorders the chaos into this new creation, empowering them with boldness, with gifts, and sending them out into the world to become the mission and movement of Jesus in this world. We know that there is confusion because as we look through this passage that gets read, as we go a little further into Acts chapter 2, we get these words describing the response of the crowd. The word bewildered, the the word confused, utterly amazed, perplexed, and asking the question, what does this mean? What does this mean? And the Holy Spirit answers that question with clarity as the Holy Spirit empowers Peter to stand up and to deliver the inaugural sermon of the church and to frame the story of Jesus within that larger story of what God has always been up to in this world and he takes their confusion and he takes their chaos and he brings it into a creative future we're getting rained on up in here that's beautiful that's awesome and so this this creative future that he brings out of that chaos in the middle of their chaos the holy spirit speaks wisdom For some of you right now, you feel like your life is in that. There's chaos. There's confusion. Maybe there's anxiety. Maybe there's fear about what is ahead. Or just a sense of not being able to put it together, of not knowing what is coming next. The Holy Spirit is still creating in the midst of your chaos. And in your chaos, He's speaking wisdom. And he's going to speak clarity. And he's going to speak boldness and courage and teach you to trust and teach you the beauty of that fruit of the spirit of patience and teach you what surrender looks like when it's empowered by the spirit. But here's the thing that's going to happen. We so often want it to happen right now and in this moment now. But as we look at the larger story we find that Acts chapter 2 is preceded by, wait for it, Acts chapter 1. All right, I know that's mind-blowing. But what happens in Acts chapter 1 before we ever get to Acts chapter 2 is Jesus speaks to his disciples and he tells them to do what? To wait. To wait on the Holy Spirit. And so here's Jesus in all of his resurrected power. And instead of saying, hey, let's go to Jerusalem and let's show this glory and this power instead of him showing up at at Pilate's house in all of his glory and power instead of doing the triumphal entry thing again and going right through the middle of the city in all of his glory and power instead what he tells his disciples to do is to wait on the Holy Spirit and some of us are in that place today where that's what the Spirit is speaking to us wait and trust and learn that fruit of the spirit of patience because more than just patience is growing in us in those moments of waiting the power of acts chapter 2 only follows the patience of acts chapter 1 the power of acts chapter 2 follows the patience of acts chapter One, and maybe that's where he has some of you today. Continue to wait, continue to trust. And that patience that he's growing in you, there are other things growing in that moment as well. Wait. Wait on the Holy Spirit. Number two. So number one, the Holy Spirit creates. Number two, the Holy Spirit restores. There's another echo from Genesis that we get in this story. Uh, As you move further into the Genesis story, so we get the beauty of creation in chapters 1 and 2, but then we get the tragedy and the trauma of the fall into sin that happens in Genesis chapter 3. And that moment of breaking of humanity and all of creation that we drag down with us in that moment, uh, we see these fractures go all the way throughout creation. And so we get the the sin that enters into the picture and the brokenness that enters into the picture in Genesis chapter 3. And then by the time we get to the second generation we're we're told about, we get the first murder in, in humanity's history. And it's one brother murdering another. Tragic, heartbreaking. And then we just see the tragedy of that compounding and compounding and compounding throughout that stretch there at Genesis. And it's described as the people only did evil all of the time. That that's how far we had fallen and how broken we were as humanity. And it hits this point. It hits this point in Genesis chapter 11. That is kind of the cap of that as we see this breaking apart of humanity. And in Genesis chapter 11, we get this story that's known as the Tower of Babel, where people come together and to show their independence from God, to show that they don't need God, they decide to try to build a tower that will reach all the way up to God. To show how much they don't need him. To show their own equality with him and even their dominance over him. They don't need him. They're going to do this without him. And so they start to build this tower and the result of that is again another fall. And this time the brokenness represents itself in the fact of the people no longer being able to understand each other. And the tragedy that comes out of that is the people get scattered from each other. They begin to speak different languages. And that brings this confusion and this barrier and this brokenness between them. They can no longer understand each other. And in that lack of understanding, division grows and grows and grows and grows. And the people are divided from each other. You can probably already see how the, Holy, how the Holy Spirit restores that in Acts chapter 2. As we go a little further uh, into the verses beyond what Chris read for us, as we get into verses 5 and go through verse 13 in the story, it tells us that when the Holy Spirit is poured out on the first disciples and on those believers there, they begin to speak the good news about Jesus and about the kingdom of God that's been established. And this miraculous thing happens. They're able to speak, but not only in their own language, but in the language of all of the people who are gathered there. And the message gets translated and these divisions and these barriers that are there between the people because of their language differences, the Holy Spirit crosses those barriers and brings unity where there had been division. And it's like a reversal of what we get in the Tower of Babel story. And it's amazing the way he turns that on its head. One of the things that we've got to grasp in this is it's not just that uh, the people all understand now the disciples' language. It's not that all suddenly everybody's able to speak one single language and now they understand each other. No, it's way better than that. It's far more beautiful than that. The Holy Spirit is leaning into the diversity and into the beauty that comes with the diversity of all of the people that are gathered there. And it's not that all the people speak one language, but now it's, it's, it's that the Holy Spirit is speaking all of the languages. And as the disciples are speaking, it's getting translated into every language that is there and present. So the people that are present aren't learning a new language. It's they're hearing the Holy Spirit speak to them in their native language, in their core language, the language of their hearts and the language of their souls. And the gospel is getting translated to the depths of who they are. That is part of the beauty of the kingdom of God that we see unleashed here in Acts chapter two. It's not that everyone is asked to conform to one dominant culture. That's not the kingdom of God. That's not the kingdom of God. Instead, it's that the kingdom and the Holy Spirit in his creativity and in his beauty is crossing all of these boundaries and bringing what was division And bringing it into the beauty of diversity. And instead of asking for uniformity, he's bringing unity within all of that diversity. It's beautiful. And the Holy Spirit continues to do that today, crossing over lines and climbing walls, moving in diverse gifts, operating in diverse powers to reach diverse places and people, and the kingdom is going everywhere, and the kingdom is getting translated into the heart and soul language of every person. With the kingdom, nobody is asking you to leave your background, to leave your culture, to leave your language at the door and conform to something, to one just uniform thing. No, the Spirit moves in the beauty of the diversity. And he invites you to bring your background and to bring your culture and to bring your language with you and to find that all of that has a place to belong in the wide open beauty that is the kingdom of God. The Tower of Babel gets turned upside down in Acts chapter 2 and the people who had been trying to build their way up to God Instead, God pours himself out on the people and he brings unity in the beauty of that diversity. And we see that line from Genesis 11 to Acts chapter 2, but it keeps on moving past that too. And it goes all the way to the book of Revelation where we get this vision of all of the people of the, from around the world gathered around the throne of God. And they're described as coming there from every language, from every tribe, from every nation. They brought their diversity with them. They brought their backgrounds and their culture with them. That's how the kingdom moves. And that's how the kingdom operates. It's absolutely beautiful the way that the Holy Spirit restores what was broken In Genesis chapter eleven, the Holy Spirit creates, the Holy Spirit restores, and the last one here is the Holy Spirit multiplies. The Holy Spirit multiplies. One last Old Testament echo here, and this is from the book of Exodus chapter nineteen, and this takes place uh, after the people of Israel in the in the Old Testament in the Hebrew Bible. They had been enslaved for hundreds of years under the oppressive empire of Egypt. God breaks them free from that yoke of oppression and leads them out in this liberated life of freedom, leading them out of that. The Jewish people would come together to celebrate that in this festival known as Passover when they celebrated God breaking them free they would come back to Jerusalem 50 days later to celebrate what happens later in that story as God brings them out of slavery and begins to lead them through a time of wilderness, this in-between time, leads them through a time of wilderness, and he leads them to the base of a place called Mount Sinai. And on Mount Sinai... Moses, the liberator, goes up the mountain, meets with God, and God descends on that mountain and gives Moses the law, this covenant that he's making with his people to establish them in the world. And as God descends down on that mountain, it says that there's this dark cloud and that there's lightning and the earth is shaking And there's the sound of rushing wind. And there's the presence of fire to represent the presence of God descending on that mountain to meet with Moses. Do you see the connection between that and what we get in Acts chapter 2? As God pours out his spirit on the people and it's described as this rushing wind and the presence of fire to show the intensity of his power and his presence with the people. Here's the interesting thing. If they came together at Passover to celebrate, then they came back to Jerusalem to celebrate this other pilgrimage festival that happens 50 days later. That festival is the festival of Pentecost. That's why all of these people were gathered in this place in Jerusalem. They had come together to remember when God descended down on Mount Sinai in wind and fire and established them as his people. But now he's doing it again in Acts chapter 2. And he's establishing the church and unleashing the movement of Jesus in the world. And he descends in power with the symbol of rushing wind and the symbol of fire to symbolize the intensity of his presence and his power. But he multiplies the beauty of what happens at Mount Sinai because now it's not just Moses, one person going up to meet with God on the mountain. Instead, God is pouring out his spirit on all of the people and now taking up residence with his very presence inside all of the believers. It's absolutely beautiful the way he multiplies that story. From that moment of Mount Sinai, the people again and again broke the storyline. They went off the page of the story. They went their own way again and again in disobedience to God. But God never quit on that story. He never gave up on that story. And every time the storyline was broken, he took that narrative arc and he bent it back towards their redemption, towards his glory and their good. He did that over and over again. And we see the ultimate picture of that here in Acts chapter 2, when he brings it all the way back. And now that story gets multiplied And it's not just one Moses who meets with God in that kind of intensity of his presence. And it's not just one priest who goes into the temple, into the Holy of Holies within the temple one time a year to stand in the presence of God. Now God in his genius puts his presence in every single one of us, fills us to the point of overflowing so that the movement of Jesus continues to multiply in this world. And because of that, you are the church wherever you are. Because of that, you are the church wherever you are. There are so many other things that I would love for us to go into, but I'm stopping now, and you can all say amen to that. All right? Yes. I want to go into Psalm 51 and David talking there and praying that God wouldn't take his Holy Spirit from him, but instead to restore the joy of his salvation. I want to talk about Isaiah 6, when the Spirit of God fills the temple and Isaiah gets this vision of that. I want to talk about Ezekiel 47, where the Spirit is flowing out of the temple as a river and goes wider and deeper the further it gets. All of those are beautiful. We're not going to get into that. The last thing I want us to close with here is this. The Spirit continues to multiply. The Spirit continues to multiply. One of the most beautiful ways that we see that in this story is that after the Holy Spirit is poured out on the first believers, Peter is the one who is chosen to stand up. And in the power of the Spirit to preach the gospel, the good news that Jesus is the King and that the kingdom is here, And is rolling out. Peter is the one who gets to do that. We know that earlier in the story, when it comes up to the moment of Jesus being arrested and put on trial before he's crucified. One of the things that we remember most about the story of Peter is that in that moment after Jesus has been arrested, Peter is the one who denies knowing Jesus. He denies even knowing him. He had promised Jesus, I'm willing to die for you. But then when the moment comes, he denies even knowing him. And not just once, and not just twice, but three times. Three times Peter denies. But after Jesus' resurrection, Jesus lovingly reinstates him. And three separate times has Peter say back to him, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. That beautiful redemption and reinstatement of Peter. But God and his grace doesn't stop there. Because when the Holy Spirit shows up, the Holy Spirit multiplies. And as Peter stands up, redeemed, forgiven, now empowered by the Holy Spirit and he preaches the gospel. We're told that 3,000 people became believers in Jesus on that day became followers of Jesus and stepped into the kingdom that Jesus has established in this world. From three denials to 3,000 yeses of people willing to follow Jesus because of what the Holy Spirit is able to do. And he's doing that in you. The Holy Spirit is still creating today on this day of Pentecost... The Holy Spirit is still restoring on this day of Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit is still multiplying. He has not quit on your story. He will not quit on it. He will bend the arc of that narrative back towards your redemption, to His glory, and to your good. He is still doing that today.